The Alan Watts iPhone app is now available on the iTunes App Store, featuring the entire Alan Watts podcast series at your fingertips. Visit alanwattsapp.com for more information. But there has to come a state when clinging stops. And only then does the state of faith begin. People who believe in God don't have any faith because they want something to hold on to. So real faith is when you do not hold on to anything anymore. In the Christian tradition, this is called the cloud of unknown. There is a book of that title, written by a 14th century British monk, Anonymous. And he got it from Dionysus the Areopagite, who assumed the name of St. Paul's Athenian convert. He was a Syrian monk living in the 6th century. Both Meister Eckhart, St. Thomas Aquinas, John Scotus Origina, and many other great medieval theologians studied Dionysus the Areopagite. He wrote a book called The Theologia Mystica, in which he explains that in order to come to full union with God, you must give up every conception of God whatsoever. And he enumerates them. Don't think that God is oneness or threeness or unity, or spirit, or any kind of anything that the human mind can conceive. He is beyond all that. In what is called, this is called apophatic theology. This is a Greek term contrasted with cataphatic. When you speak cataphatically, you say what God is like. So this man, Dionysius, wrote two books. One was called The Divine Names, and that was cataphatic theology. The other was called the mystical theology, which is apophatic. Cataphatic, what God is like according to analogy. He is like a father. We do not say God is a cosmic male parent. But God is in some respects like a father, like spirit. Like we say nowadays, like man, it's, uh, it's like it's raining, you know. There's a certain relativity to that statement. So this is the, the, the cataphatic language. The apophatic says what God is not. And all those theologians in the following of Dionysius said the highest way of talking about God is in negative terms. Just as, to use Dionysius' own image, when a sculpture makes, sculptor makes a figure, he does it entirely by removing stone, taking something away. So in the same way, St. Thomas Aquinas said, because God by his infinity exceeds every idea to which the human mind can reach. The best way to speak of him is by remotion. That is to say, by removing from our view of God every inadequate concept. This is what the Hindus call neti neti, saying of the Brahman, of the supreme reality, it is not this, it is not this. But this intellectual operation of destroying concepts, 
must go hand in hand with a, shall we call it, psychological operation, which is ceasing to cling to any image whatsoever, or simply ceasing to cling. Now, why? <laughs> well, because there's no need to. There's no need to cling. Because when you were born, you were kicked off a precipice. And it was a big explosion. A lot of other things are falling down with you. Including some pretty large lumps of rock. One of them is called the earth. And uh, it won't help you to cling to the rocks when you're falling off the precipice. It may give you an illusion of safety. But everything is falling. It's falling apart. That's what the ancients said when all is transient. Pantare, all flows, in the words of Heraclitus. And you can't cling to anything. It's like grabbing at smoke with a non-existent hand. Uh, that's all, all that clinging will ever achieve. All it does is make people anxious. So when you come to the realization that you cannot cling to anything, that there is nothing to cling to, there transpires an inner change of consciousness which we can call either faith or letting go. And then suddenly the thing hits you. In Sanskrit, they put it this way, tattvamasi, means literally, that art thou, or as we would say, you're it. And if you are God, then you can't have an idea of God any more than you can chew your own teeth. You don't need one. The sun doesn't need to shine on itself. Knives don't need to cut themselves. Your eyes don't need to look at themselves. What color is your head? to your eyes. It isn't black, is it? You can't see anything. Matter of fact, the way it feels inside your head is what you call what it looks like outside. All these things you see outside are states of the nervous system in the brain. That's how it feels. That's how it looks inside the head. And you said, well, I thought that was what was outside. True. <clears throat> Same way. When the Zen master suddenly discovered that carrying the pail uh, with water in it was a miracle, he discovered that. He realized there isn't anything except God. And boy, uh, you don't, if, if you really know that, you see, you don't need to have a religion. But you can have one because it's a free world. I mean, uh, if you want to uh, try and express this in some way and uh, all, all religion is pure gravy after that see any outward manifestation of religion you know it's like a man with lots of money making some more <laughs> only it's quite unnecessary but so in according to the very best theologians it was never necessary for God to create the world didn't add anything to him he didn't have to do it. He was under no compulsion. So he did it out of what uh, Dionysus the Areopagite calls uh, 
hyperpleres, or we would anglicize it, hyperpleres, superfulness, in other words, for kicks. I mean, you know, we don't, we don't like using that language, but it's completely contemporary and ex exactly right. Uh, that's what the Bible says. Only it puts it in a more sedate way. It says, His Majesty did it for his pleasure. Well, that's the way you talk about somebody who is the king. This Queen Victoria said, you know, we are not amused. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> uh, it says in the book of the Proverbs that where the divine wisdom speaks, and speaks, you see, as an attribute of God standing aside from God. Sort of primitive polytheism. And wisdom says that in the beginning of the world, her delight was to play before the divine presence. And especially to play with the sons of men. The word in Hebrew is play, but in the King James translation, it is rejoice because that is a more sedate word than play. You may rejoice in church, but not play. You may not have fun in church, but you may rejoice. <laughs> See the difference? So then, uh, the, 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 the point of the matter is then there was no reason to make the world, and it was done for, for making celestial whoopee. That's why the angels are laughing. They're just splitting their sides. Only when you hear it in church, everybody's forgotten what hallelujah means. It's lowing. Don't you see? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, it's like, um, you know, it's just burble. And it's like birdsong. Birdsong isn't about anything. It's just uh, for kicks. Uh, why do you sing? Why do you like dancing? What's music for? That's what this hallelujah is. So when nothing is being clung to, when one gets to that point, everything blows up. This is what's meant by satori in Zen. Sudden uh, awakening. And you suddenly say, good heavens! What was I making all that fuss about? Because here we are. This is what we were looking for all the time. It's right here. And uh, that's, that's the thing. And you realize that, that you, any, you basically, through and through, are all this. Only you got into a kind of a funny illusion. I think that we get into that illusion uh, in rather a complicated way through our upbringing as children. Uh, because many little children know from the beginning what it's all about. Only they haven't got words to put it in. See, that's the whole problem of child psychology. What a child psychologist is ideally looking for is an articulate baby. <laughs> I can explain what it's like to be a baby. Well, never get there. By the time you teach, by teaching the child to speak, you, you, you mess it up. You give it this language and you can't think big thoughts like that with this funny limited language. Especially with the words they start children out with. <laughs> and then finally when they've got the poor thing completely hypnotized they tell it 
the most preposterous things. They tell it that it must be free. They say to you, you, child, are an independent agent and you're responsible, see? Now, therefore, we command you to love us. And uh, you, we, in other words, we require that you do something which will please us only if you do it voluntarily. <laughs> yeah, do you wonder people are mixed up? <clears throat> so, uh, but I'm afraid, you see, that the new theology isn't on to this. The new theology really is serious about there not being any God and that the universe is therefore a rather pitiful predicament in which we're caught, has some compensations. But what all this is a continuation of the 19th century philosophy, the fully automatic model, which is that, that this is an essentially stupid universe. It's a, it's a mechanism. It is a gyration of blind energy in which human intelligence and values happens to be a fluke and a rather uncomfortable one because nature doesn't give a damn about us. And so we have to fight it. And now all that is pure mythology. It is grossly unscientific. <clears throat> and, uh, but most people believe it. It's common sense for today. But what an opportunity, though, there is in the new theology and in this whole ferment going on to get them to see this other point of view and realize that when you get rid of God, you are all you are doing is you're destroying an idol. And all idols must be destroyed respectfully. Not like those wretched uh, Puritans who went around destroying all the saints' figures and the stained glass in the medieval churches. That was disrespectful iconoclasm. Respectful iconoclasm would be, for example, every Easter Sunday the Bible should be ceremoniously burned. Because if Jesus is truly risen from the dead, you don't need the Bible anymore. He's around. <laughs> Available. You don't need the books. You burn it up ceremoniously with great respect. Because certainly God doesn't take himself seriously. If he did, I shudder to think what would happen. Listening to Alan Watts from the Spoken Word Library of the Electronic University. For copies of this and other Alan Watts programs, please go to alanwatts.com on the World Wide Web or call us toll free at 1 800 W O Watts. That's A L A N W A T T S.com or 1 800 W O W A T T S. The Watts website features free audio downloads, program lists, and information on Watts' life and works. Once again, that's alanwatts.com or 1-800-W-O-Watts.